Welcome back to the First Touch Podcast. I am Tyler Brooke, joined alongside Nate Canan. Nate, how are you, man? I'm doing dandy as I could be. I'm just uh, enjoying my last weekend before I head out. I know uh, you recently made your way out of Chicago as well. You're back down in Indy, as I feel like that's the majority of these conversations. Where is Tyler now? Is he in Chicago or is he in Indy? It's like Carmen San Diego. Where in the world is Tyler Brooke? Yeah, but the answers are only two places. So <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's totally fair. Um, I did have an interesting ride down for once. I was about a mile, a mile and a half away from home, driving down you know classic farmland back roads. And my tire blew out. Well, you texted me about that. And I was like, oh, shit. And I just think it's not, I mean, I can laugh at it because you're okay. But uh, that the fact that you made it the entire way there and you're literally like a mile back from home. I've run into a similar experience like that where it's like you're at the final home stretch and then the car problems start. What was wild to me, too, was I was like, you know, classic me city guy i was like i'm just gonna try and push it and just go slowly the rest of the way home no way you got out of the car trying to push it i didn't know no, that. no i didn't try to push it i was going like i was trying to go like 15 and then i quickly realized oh this tire is totally destroyed oh you mean like coast the car i got you i was envisioning you outside of the car oh, no. like the parking brake off and just trying to move that thing oh no no no, no. i did quickly realize that i did not know how to change a tire which is awfully embarrassing to admit on a podcast that you host. Man, but how do you not know how to change a tire? I'm a city boy now, right? Like, I'd never use that car. I only use it to drive back and forth from Indy. I was just sitting there. I was literally on YouTube trying to learn how to change a tire. And I was like, I am not going to be able to successfully do this. And then two guys showed up with their wives, younger than you and me, Nate. And they were like, you need some help? And I was like, honestly, I don't know what I'm doing. And they got so excited. And I was like, why are you guys so excited? They're like, oh, we used to do like pit crew stuff at Purdue. So like we love shit like this. Oh my God. So these guys were ready to go. They didn't have just like a wrench. They like had like that, the NASCAR gun thing, you know? So the wives went and got a big jack. I like, I had all the stuff, but I guess it was like, it was not ideal for what we were trying to do. My car is like pretty low to the ground. So the wives go and pick up stuff. And then they help with everything and like couldn't have been two nicer or four nicer people. They were just so kind. And I tried to pay them afterwards because like they got down and dirty trying to help out. They refused my money. And like I just thought it was especially with everything going on in the world today. I just really wanted to tell a nice story about, you know, just the kindness of strangers and, you know, how great Indiana is, honestly. Some Hoosier hospitality. Hoosier hospitality. No, that's great. I'm glad that you had somebody help you out, especially if you don't really know what to do. I assume you had a spare tire in your trunk. Is that something that like you actively had? Okay, good. Oh, I had all the parts and like I was in the process of trying to figure out what to do and they just drove by and they could clearly tell I was struggling. (laughs) so. So you got that little donut tire on your car right now? Yep. Yeah. Get that taken care of because you don't want to have to uh, ride back up on those donuts because you can't go faster than like, I think like what, 50 miles or something like that on those little guys. Oh, I have no desire to even test that out. Once you get back up here, I'll show you how to change a tire. I've had to do my fair share of that in my life as a city boy. I remember one time in Pittsburgh, I had to go to like this little cramped gas station because it was the only area off this like stretch of road like within the condensed area of the city that i could like actually park my car to like have some space to like jack this boy up and like get in and under there and pull that stuff off yeah i know i know my way around uh, a car in those uh, ways but 
that's literally probably the extent of my knowledge as it goes. Oh, I, I learned a lot. I think that's enough tire talk. We could do an entire episode maybe where we teach you how to change a tire. But I'm sure I'm sure everyone's a little more interested about Lionel Messi right now. People probably came here for the soccer, so maybe that's where we need to go. Yeah, I think uh, I'm really excited about this episode. Side note, thank you for everyone that was listening to our bonus episode for Fantasy Premier League. If you have not joined the league yet, time of recording this, we're almost at 50 entries already. That's so awesome. Be sure to join our FPL code is YMJ4KG, fantasy.premierleague.com. And if you haven't listened to the bonus episode yet, definitely give it a look. Definitely a lot of good tips and strategies there to set your lineup. Thanks for all the great members of the FTFC. I love the community that we have out here. We do this for you guys. Again, continue to spread the love of this podcast out to everyone that loves soccer, that uh, you know you want to be involved in that conversation. But we do have a good episode coming up. Um, the majority of this episode this week will be focused on the topic of the best player in the world and what's going on with them. We're going to be talking a lot about Lionel Messi today. So if your eyes are rolling and you don't like this guy, just get over yourself. We're going to go through it anyway. And you're going to learn a lot and it's going to be a good episode along the way. Of course, we're also going to talk about some of the matches that we watched this week. And then after all the Lionel Messi talk, we'll be going into our fan favorites to Around the Net, as well as everyone's favorite pub of the week, a personal story of mine that I think you guys are definitely going to want to hear. It's a good pub story and a good uh, pub to check out once everything starts to open back up and you can travel again. Bro, this is going to be so awkward if Messi signs somewhere before Wednesday. Let's just keep our fingers crossed. It seems so legitimate that he's going to leave, and I think it's worth the while. I know I was complaining a few weeks back about all of these Messi transfers. Even in earlier episodes, I was saying, you know, you hear Messi transfer rumors all the time. I think we're going to do this, and I know... We've had conversations off the podcast, like, should we have this episode that's dedicated to Messi? And if there wasn't all of these other kinds of just accusations being flown around, all the drama behind the scenes at Barcelona, I would probably say no. But since this is happening, and I think he's going to leave, we should have an episode that's dedicated to this for sure. I agree. And I think we got a lot of good content to talk about with everything going on. I do, before we get into all the messy talk, I do kind of want to talk. I don't really want to talk about it, but I think we should talk about the FA Community Shield. Who's more upset in this, you or I? Me? What are you talking about? Your rival one, sure, I lost. I don't want to see Arsenal with another trophy. Are you kidding me? You you get to walk away knowing that like that happened because you already won something. I get to see Arsenal win two times. I think I'm more upset, man. It was it was a tough one to watch. I do want to take a quick second, though. I do want to give a shout-out to Arteta, even if it's going to piss Nate off. Uh, the man's already won two trophies, and I think the future for Arsenal looks bright again. Uh, again, all the credit in the world. He seems like a, a damn good manager. That was a tough one to watch, man. I think we're finally starting to see how some teams can expose Liverpool. But honestly, I think the biggest issue I had with that whole game was I think we saw how weak the back line is as far as depth is concerned for Liverpool. Without Trent Alexander-Arnold at right back, the young kid Nico Williams got exposed the entire game. Like, Arsenal's game plan was to attack that kid with Aubameyang, and there were just so many times he was caught out of position, including Aubameyang's goal. The entire team looked a little lost. It wasn't until Nabi Keita and Minamino came on and Klopp switched up the tactics that the Reds actually started to get some looks. It was just, it looked really rusty. I do feel for you. I guess the reason why I'm less sympathetic about this, and this will be aside on just 
general soccer culture in general. I know before we've even had this podcast, I've heckled you a bit of being like a, a bandwagon Liverpool fan. I know you're so into the fandom and part of it. But now I think, like you said, you might start to get tested in terms of like what being a real Liverpool soccer fan is. Because if you're starting to see that weakness, again, the season that Liverpool just came off of, of dominating the Premier League is pretty unprecedented, right? It's the way that they paced to win the Premier League is nothing like any team's ever gone before. Truly, truly dominant. So when you start to see like not as well put together team, it's going to be a little upsetting. And it's also going to give you those moments of pause where you're like, what's going on here? This is not the Liverpool football club that I know. And I get that and I feel for you. And I, I, the only reason why I can say this is because my team never wins shit. So, (laughs) and (laughs) week in, week out, I'm just there like having a good time. I'm literally that meme of that dog where you're sitting inside a building that's on fire. Like, oh, everything's fine. Momentum is huge within these sports. And I was using this game as a testament for two things. One, to see if Liverpool was going to continue with that momentum momentum that came off that Premier League season. Of course, Trent Alexander-Arnold missing of that back line. It was very easy to notice that he wasn't there. Exactly like you said, they were able to exploit that time and time again. So we'll see what happens once he gets more healthy and they throw him back in there. Who's to say like they could just bounce back? But secondly, I was using this to see if this Arsenal FA Cup win was a fluke, and unfortunately it's not. They are getting more put together. Even Dava Louise, the saint of screw-ups for them, didn't screw up. He was having a decent match. I'm looking at two things now for Liverpool. I think they have to start focusing on backline depth along with some playmaking in the midfield. I think that just adds even more emphasis that they need to bring in Bayern's Thiago Alcantara like as soon as possible. We're hearing about Thiago constantly, so you know, fingers crossed on that one. I'm curious to see what happens to Ryan Brewster, 20-year-old kid who was really showing out in the preseason. He had three goals in their two preseason matches, but unfortunately he ended up missing the only penalty from either club in PKs, which helped Arsenal win the Community Shield. This gets me more excited for the Premier League season to return. I know this was a really hard loss for you, but I think it kind of makes the Premier League be more competitive. Unfortunately, they're bringing their level of play down as it seems. I mean, again, could bounce back. We'll wait to see what happens once the full healthy squad is. We'll see if uh, Thiago uh, comes into this Liverpool side and helps lock down some of the the gaps that are there. But I do think with Arsenal looking more flushed out and again Chelsea over the past couple of weeks all of these transfers that they've had I think they literally uh, transferred in a whole new back line within the span of like 48 hours this past week it's going to be a way more competitive Premier League season this year I don't know which direction it's going to go of course you know you have my biases and what I want to be able to see but I think it's going to only add to the excitement because I think all of these probably top, I would say, eight or so teams in the Premier League right now are looking so scary, and they're all in the same scariness level, so I do think it could be anyone's game. However, I do think that the outlier with this could be is if Lionel Messi ends up coming over into the Premier League. From all the reports coming out, I mean, it seems like there is a good chance he comes to the Premier League. I'm a bit more interested in just like these other options as well. Maybe that's just because I'm very selfish and I do not want to see him go where we're going to talk about later. But I think it's such an interesting situation to have a guy that's a lifelong player for one club decide that it's time to, you know, move clubs. And I know that's pretty common in soccer. So I think that's what's made it more amazing for me is to see that Messi spent was it 19 years with one club and whatever league he ends up going to it won't be the same league at the end of the year every preparation that every team's been making throwing in Lionel Messi into the dynamic will definitely 
throw a, a curveball, so to say. I think this is a good segue into this week's pitch profile. I think it seems only fitting that we have the pitch profile on Messi this week. I'm sure everyone knows who the hell he is, but I think for the casual listener, you may not know how he ended up becoming this mega superstar that he is. We had asked a lot of our listeners to send us pitch profile ideas on Instagram. Thank you to all our listeners. We've got a lot of good ones that we'll definitely be using in the coming weeks. Um, but we did get responses actually asking for a pitch profile on Leo Messi. That was from Karam King 10 and Nick Bannis. So thanks to both of you guys for the submission on Messi. Great timing. Could not have had better timing for that. And be sure to keep messaging us any way you can, Twitter, Instagram, anything like that, with guys that you would like a pitch profile on. Uh, like we said, we'll be including those uh, pitch profiles in coming weeks. Lionel Messi, what else really can we say that hasn't been said before about the guy? Messi is practically a household name. If you remotely follow soccer, the 33-year-old Argentine is someone that you should know of. His accolades speak for themselves as one of the most decorated players of all time. Individually, Messi has been awarded not only Best Forward of La Liga seven times, but has also been Best Player of La Liga eight times. He was named La Liga's top scorer seven times and top scorer of the Champions League six times as well. Messi has also won European Golden Shoe six times, and that is a award that is given to the top goal scorer in all of Europe. The accolades with Barcelona are pretty amazing. He has won the Spanish League or La Liga 10 times, Copa del Rey six times, the Supercopa de España eight times, four Champions League titles, and three UEFA Super Cups. The list goes on and on and on and on for Messi. And it proves not only is he one of the greatest players, he might be the greatest player of all time. Oh, and did we forget to mention that he's been awarded the Ballon d'Or six times? But becoming the Messi that we know was not an overnight transition. He was born on June 24th, 1987 in Rosaria, Argentina. He was the third of four children of Jorge Messi. He was a steel factory manager and his wife, Celia Cugettini, who worked in a magnet manufacturing workshop. Not exactly what you'd expect the parents of the greatest soccer player of all time to be with their occupations. So Messi, as this young boy, was actually diagnosed with a growth hormone deficiency. That's something that I was unaware of. This did not hold him back. Growing up in a tight-knit, football-loving family, Leo developed a passion for the sport from a very early age. He was playing constantly with his two older brothers and two of his cousins, Maximiliano and Emmanuel Biancuccini, both who actually became professional soccer players later in life in Argentina. At the age of six, Messi joined the Rosario Soccer Club, Newell's Old Boys. During the six years he played for Newell's, he scored almost 500 goals. They called that team the Machine of 87. It was a near-unbeatable youth side named after the year of birth for the players. They regularly entertained crowds by performing ball tricks during halftime for the home games. At the age of 10, Messi's development was actually at risk. The growth hormone deficiency that we mentioned earlier was only covered for two years on his father's health insurance plan. That treatment cost about $1,000 a month. Newell's had initially actually agreed to contribute for this growth hormone plan, but they actually later went back on their promise. He was scouted by Buenos Aries club River Plate and they actually agreed to help pay for the growth hormone treatment but in the end they actually were also unable to help due to Argentina's economic collapse at the time. The family was so desperate they made arrangements to bring Leo to Spain to stay with family in Catalonia. They had arranged a trial actually with Barcelona in September of 2000. First team director Charlie Rexac immediately wanted to sign him but the board of directors actually hesitated. At the time it was highly unusual for European clubs to sign foreign players especially 
especially at such a young age. Eventually, an ultimatum was issued for Barcelona to prove their commitment, and the first-team director, with no other paper at hand, offered a contract to Messi on a paper napkin. What a way to begin the biggest career that football has seen other than on a paper napkin. At the age of 13, he signed with Barcelona and then moved to Spain. And luckily, as part of that contract, Barcelona agreed to pay for Messi's hormone treatments. Then at 16 years old, four months and 23 days, Messi made his first team debut as he came on during the 75th minute during a friendly game against none other than Jose Mourinho, Porto, in November 16th, 2003. From that point forward, Messi started building a career at Barcelona that will be left told in the history books. He has brought global attention to the club, and he's attracted a lot of other really talented players that wanted to play alongside him at Barcelona. Some of those players you probably recognize, such as Xavi Alonso, Neymar, Ronaldinho, and Andres Iniesta. Obviously, that list goes on and on and on. Unfortunately for how decorated Messi is individually, as well as the success with the team, one trophy has always escaped him, and that is, of course, the World Cup trophy that he has been working towards with the Argentina national team. Messi has made appearances with the Argentina national team over 130 times over the last 15 years. The team has a decorated past and they've won World Cups before back in 1978 as well as 86. And some current notable players on this team are Manchester City's Sergio Aguero and Juventus's own Paulo Dybala. Despite having some of the world's best players, this team can't seem to make it work. Messi has even considered leaving international play several times, and even with all the rumors, he does continue to lace up his boots and come back for his home country whenever he is called, time and time again. Outside of football, Messi is a family man. He was married back in 2017 to his childhood sweetheart, Antonella Recuso. They have three children together. There was a time that they did spend apart from one another where Recuso dated another man, actually. After she ended the relationship to get back together with Lionel, Recuso's ex-lover even said, She dumped me, but at least she didn't leave me for any old bloke. She dumped me for Messi. I kind of respect that viewpoint for the guy. But obviously, no great dynasty is built without any drama. In June of 2013, prosecutors in Barcelona filed tax fraud charges against Messi and his father for a period between 2007 and 2009. Uh, the complaint alleges that Messi and his father, aiming to lower their Spanish tax bill, sought to manage Messi's income from image rights through shell companies set up overseas. Messi still denies all allegations of wrongdoing. Then, in July of 2016, a Barcelona court found Leo and his father guilty. The Messies were fined 2 million euros, approximately $2.3 million, and also sentenced to 21 months in prison for tax fraud. Yes, the great Leo was looking at over a year behind bars in a Spanish prison. After an appeal, the Spanish courts officially reduced Messi and his father's punishments. Messi's fine was increased to an additional 252,000 euros, while his father's 15-month sentence was replaced with a 180,000 euro fine. So I guess the real question is then, after all of this success at Barcelona, why does Messi want to leave? This really isn't a simple answer, and while we don't live in his head, there's well-documented reasons for his desire to leave. The 8-2 loss to Bayern Munich to get knocked out of the Champions League, as well as the disappointing finish to the Liga season, certainly put out that final nail. Certainly put that final nail in the coffin. In recent months and years, Messi's relationship with Barcelona's board and directors has recently deteriorated. The constant musical chairs at the management certainly hasn't helped either, going from Ernesto Valverde to Kikas Setien in January, followed by Setien's sacking after the Bayern match, 
paving the way for Ronald Koeman, the current national team coach for the Netherlands. Messi's meeting with Koeman reportedly did not go well either. So now, after spending the last 19 years of his life with Barcelona, Messi is looking to move elsewhere. So all that leaves is the question, where the hell is he going to go? I think at this time, the reports are saying he's most likely to end up at Manchester City. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is the one with the most traction right now, right? You know, not only does he have close ties with his former manager, Pep Guardiola, who coached at Barcelona, he's actually the godfather of City's top striker, Sergio Aguero's son. Fun fact about Sergio Aguero's son, that man has Messi as his godfather, Aguero as his dad, and his grandfather is Diego Maradona. So, no pressure, kid. Obviously, the, all those personal ties alone make this one the clear and obvious top choice, and the reports are still coming out that they are far and away the favorites to land the legendary Messi. I think it makes sense that having all of those personal ties with the players is one reason to draw him there. I think it's mostly connected to Pep. I think he really did thrive under that management style whenever Pep was at Barcelona. What I've also heard too is that he's been in contact with uh, Neymar, who's over in Paris Saint-Germain. And he's actually trying to convince Neymar, at least according to some rumors, again, Messi transfer rumors are all over the place, to have Neymar exit from Paris Saint-Germain and then to also go to Manchester City. I don't know how City gets away with that and still follows the financial fair play rules if that happens. That's obviously a big question, but like, the big one is like tactically how does this work with that Manchester City squad it's so stacked but where do you put Messi and how does he impact the roles of other guys like if you put him at right wing the right side of the formation becomes a huge defensive liability you know Walker and Cancelo are okay but they're not world beaters if you put him at central attacking middle fielder where the hell do you move KDB if you put him up front, where do you put Aguero? I know fans might not care as much about that because it's such a big name but I think it's something to keep an eye on if he ultimately does decide to go to City. Who's to say if there's any other players exiting to make room for Messi to move in there? I, I don't really know. Tactically, it doesn't really seem the most sound fit. But I do think that Manchester City would probably do whatever it takes to make Messi work into their formations and lineup. And what is this that I've heard about that if he ends up getting a contract there, that there's potential for him to then make a transition over to play for NYCFC at the end of his career in the MLS? Yeah, this is a rumor of thoughts really interesting. Because City is a majority owner of the NYCFC, there have been rumors that essentially if Messi decides to go to City, once he essentially becomes, you know, too old to be a viable or like at least the GOAT in European soccer, he would wind down his career by going to the MLS and playing for NYCFC. Honestly, as Americans, like we have to be rooting for that, right? Yes and no. It's just the retirement league stigma that the MLS has that I kind of don't want to see that. And I do think that in the back of my mind's eye that I do think one day we will see him there just because it's going to draw so many eyes over to the MLS to watch him play there. Uh, But when it comes to the actual playing the scenario out if Messi was at Manchester City, I personally don't want this to happen. This is sounds like a nightmare for me because this is already a squad that will arguably will be one of the most dominant coming into this Premier League season. And having Messi on top of this is just not not my ideal. I just think it's going to make the Premier League way too stacked in one team, and then all of a sudden we have ourselves a team like Juventus, where you just continue to dominate year after year after year, and these other teams aren't going to be able to catch up. So in terms of just having a balanced Premier League, I just don't want to see him there. I would put a 95% chance on Messi going to City. 
but there are other clubs that are still you know trying their best to get him. I think it was, I think it's obviously worth mentioning some of these other teams that are trying to make a run at the European legend, uh, including a potential reunion with a player you just mentioned, Nate. Yes, as mentioned previously, Neymar, who plays over at PSG. No one can really spend money quite like PSG, right? This gets me excited to actually think about this reunion. I know whenever I first started getting into soccer, Messi was the reason why that I started following professional soccer because nobody could touch a ball like he could. And watch, I remember as a young kid watching him play alongside Neymar, and it would just be so exciting for me to see this happen again at this PSG team because not only would it be Messi and Neymar, but we also have Mbappe to throw into that line as well. I just think from a perspective of what league he should move on to, I think League A1 makes the most sense. It's not nearly the physical game that the Premier League is, and we do know that teams like Liverpool in the Premier League are not afraid to get physical with a guy like Messi. I still vividly remember things like you know a pretty hard yellow card tackle from Milner in the Champions League along with Andy Robertson pushing him while he was on the ground. like Teams won't be afraid to body him, and I think the French League makes a lot of sense. He could go to PSG, dominate the league, and win a shitload more trophies. The real reason that this has some credibility is simply put just the Neymar connection here. Messi has gone on record saying how much he's enjoyed playing with him, and he's hoping for the opportunity to play with him again. So if Messi's not going to be able to convince Neymar to leave PSG, it's just kind of meeting Neymar where Neymar's out. That's how I see this as, as a plausible option in, in any aspect of it. And I would enjoy seeing this as well. I do think it would be a good fit for him just club-wise. I think there's a good style of play there for him. Personally, the one I want to see more than anything in the world is Juventus. I know there are some rumors and you know pretty loose and we're not hearing a lot, but could you imagine after spending so much time trying to outdo each other that we finally get to watch Messi and Ronaldo join forces. I don't really think that would happen, but anything's possible. To me, it would just be like watching, oh my goodness, what was that movie with all the action stars with like Sylvester Stallone and... Um, the Expendables? Yes, yeah, so it'd be Juventus, The Expendables, the soccer team. That's what Juventus would be if we had Messi and Ronaldo playing together. I, I can see that. I just wonder if like a new manager like Andrea Pirlo, who you know so recently was playing at a high level uh, could be enticing for him. I, there's a lot going for Juventus, right? Like it's a really reputable club. They're coming off a disappointing season. He could come in and pair with Ronaldo and he could turn that club around and bring them back to like full glory. As far as like, instead of just winning one trophy, you can win multiple trophies in a year. What I find to be really interesting about this whole messy transfer thing is just a lot of the personal connections that are leading towards these transfers. And I guess it makes sense, right? You are the greatest player on earth. You can really dictate where you want to go so it can fit like a perfect glove, right? The reason why I'm doubtful with this is not only just the rivalry in the past. For how big Ronaldo and Messi are, they really don't talk to each other very often. They're not really friends. I think they're friendly to each other, but they really don't have any kind of form of dialogue. And I don't really know what causes that. Of course, like, you know, here in the States, like you can see some heated rivalries on basketball courts as well as on the NFL field. But you know, a lot of these players are actually like good buddy buddies when it comes to it at the end of the day. 
that's not really the case when it comes to Messi and Ronaldo. They're not really the friends that you would kind of expect the greatest players in the world to be. There's really not much dialogue between them. So that's where I kind of have my doubts is that I just don't see him making that pool over there because it's just not that emotional connection that it seems like Messi's looking for because the, the strongest ties, the strongest draws are coming from those old manager connections, those old teammate connections that he's had in his past. That is a really good point, Nate. I do think it is interesting. Uh, Messi is on record when talking about his relationship, Ronaldo. T- to your credit, he did say he does not have much of a relationship with the guy, but whenever they have met and talked, he said he is a 10 out of 10 human being. So I do think that's interesting. Uh, clearly, there's a lot of respect. I do enjoy it that even if they're not close, they do have a lot of respect for each other. It's just, it would be awesome, man. Like, you want to talk about, you know how we complain in the NBA about super teams. Like, what do you even call that Juventus club if Messi paired with Ronaldo? I told you, the the, the expendable the soccer expendable, club. The expendable <laughs> soccer club. It's like, and then they add Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone, and then all of a sudden things are blowing up. Okay, okay, they, hear me out. Just like how AC Milan has Rock Nation, they just bring in Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And they'll build a statue of Rocky right outside the stadium. Oh, fuck off. (laughs) I would love to see all of this now. You spoke it into existence, Nate. Uh, That being said, there is another Italian team I think would make a little more sense. And surprisingly, one of the Vegas odds-on favorites to sign Messi. His connection to Inter Milan is huge for some reason. This has been rumored before the majority of all of these Messi transfers Again, as I complain about, and you'll hear me complain about it until this is done, I guess if this ends up happening, I did go on record saying that I would chug a bottle of champagne, which I'm now regretting. But this was one of those rumors that I was hearing earlier on this year that Messi might go to Inter Milan. And that's still on the table. It would be much watched TV if he played in the same league as Ronaldo for that chance to directly compete with each other again. I mean, those games are always must-watch TV, right? It'd be a great fit with Inter as well. I just would love to see that connection between him and Romelu Lukaku, you know, who already put up 30-plus goals this season. Could you imagine how many more he'll put up with Messi getting on the ball? And we've talked about this team a lot in the past few weeks. I think it would be a good fit. There's a lot of strong um, members of that Inter side. You have Christian Eriksen, and I, I think you'd mesh really well with Alexi Sanchez. I think they just have that kind of uh, fiery style of play, and I think there would be a lot of great opportunities to go from them. And that's a club that's been wanting to make moves, and I see that could be a serious contender for him. So, I mean, like, what other teams realistically have a shot? There's some rumors of some Premier League teams, MLS. Yeah, so I think when it comes to some other other teams, we have to mention the I, what I would see to be the most legitimate MLS connection, and that would be David Beckham's uh, Miami team, right? They have a relationship together. If he is looking for an easier way out, again, to just be at the end of his career or maybe have like a Ibrahimovic kind of style where you go to play in the MLS to only go back. And we we also know that playing in the MLS is a good gateway to management, right? You can say that about Frank Lampard. Thierry Henry. Exactly. So, you know, they wind down their playing careers in the MLS, got the experience and made the connections that they needed to make. And then they got these opportunities within these major clubs. I think it'd be naive to say that Messi's career is going to only be his Messi's soccer career is only going to be one of a player, right? That man has so much to teach the world. And I think, you know, think of a kid that's just learning the beautiful game right now that by the time that you know, Messi would be mature enough to be a manager of a team to then have him as your manager. I, I think every person on whatever team that would be would play their heart and soul out for the guy. 
Yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning that there are some other Premier League teams roughly, loosely connected to Messi. But honestly, at this point, I think any of those are pure speculation. I really feel like only a team like Manchester United or Liverpool could probably afford him. But even then, like there are other needs those clubs are clearly focusing on right now, and I don't think they want to have this entire distraction of trying to afford such an insane player while there are other glaring needs. Are there any other teams that you would personally like him to see? Like, would you want him to be on Liverpool right now? I know we joked around with this with Ian Edwards a couple of weeks ago if uh, Messi would be going to uh, Manchester United, and he was like, no, we don't need him, which I I respect that answer. I I don't want him on Liverpool either. I mean, our wings are Mane and Mo. Like, I don't think you can get much better than that. I like Bobby. I know people like to hate on Bobby Firmino, but I think we have a contingency plan after his career at Liverpool as well. I just don't know where you put Messi in that whole lineup for it to make sense. Uh, you know, I'm out on him, and I don't think they're willing to spend that much money. Uh, but you know, Nate, you know, you know, he could go to Tottenham. You never know. The thing is, I don't want to say this on the podcast because I feel like I'd be laughed at because, of course, I want that to happen. Like, I have a whole imaginary fantasy about this happening. I'd be like, oh, Messi's sitting back one day and he's just like, I want to be able to prove that I can bring greatness to this club. And he just takes on this noble quest to bring Tottenham a trophy. And then he takes a cheap deal and he's just like, it it can make sense logically too, right? This is exactly how he would think about it. It is the greatest stadium ever. In existence. It is the best training grounds in England. It's a good fit for me there to prove something and to be taken care of. And then Tottenham wins the Premier League, and then we win the FA Cup, and then we win Champions League, and it, it just makes sense. But now that I say it out loud, and to all of our lovely FTFC listeners out there, you, you can chuckle and laugh at me, but you know, yeah, I'm going to daydream about that one for a little bit longer until I see him sign the papers. Until I see him hold a kit, I'm going to dream that he's going to team up with Zlatan and go play for Leeds, and they're going to take the Premier League by storm. I would become I, a Leeds fan low-key if that happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we're already low-key Leeds fans. Like, it's a fun team to root for. They got a cool story. I just think at the end of the day, you and I both know that the one team we would be pissed if he signed for would be none other Arsenal than Arsenal Football Club. Oh, <laughs> shit. I guess <laughs> I wasn't thinking about that one, but as far as just off the podcast we would never hear the end of it if he signed for Bayern Munich Uh, I'm not even going to play this scenario out because the the fantasy of that is just a lot of a headache from Bundesliga Borelli constantly and I don't know moving on to the next subject we have (laughs) let's not speak that into existence all right let's just keep moving on exactly man yeah Yeah, but that's fun um I really enjoyed the messy talk this week again it just kind of made sense. Thanks again for all of the great FTFC members out there giving us these pitch profile suggestions. Once we were looking over the the huge list that you gave us, it just kind of made sense to dedicate the majority of this episode to talk about Lionel Messi and all of these transfer rumors because I think once and for all, after a 19-year uh, playing career at Barcelona, we can finally put this baby to bed of what's the next step for him. And we're probably going to be able, we're probably going to hear that within the next week or two, maybe. It's 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 exciting. It's like waiting for Christmas. Yeah, unless you're not a fan of City and then it's just stressful. But, you know, to each their own. It is an exciting time. This is like LeBron James the decision times like 500. 
because there's just such a global impact to this versus LeBron. You know, maybe like, let's just play that scenario out again real quick with City. So like we already think that they're going to be extremely dominant. Like what if the chemistry just doesn't work? We don't know. We talked a little bit earlier about how the chemistry doesn't work with Messi and Argentina side, and that doesn't make sense, right? So who knows? Maybe it's just this thing that he has this special magic within that Barcelona side within La Liga. Who knows? I mean, it's it's highly unlikely, but we'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. I think that's as good of time as any to move on to our other segments. Again, thank you everyone for your pitch profiles, but let's get into around the net with some of the stuff that we've seen online lately. Uh, the first one being some great news for Nate's team, but also some unfortunate social media usage. Yeah, I, I guess. I think uh, it was a good PR move for Tottenham's latest signing. So Tottenham has recently signed former Wolves player Matt Dotery. This is exciting for me because I really enjoyed watching him play on Wolves, and I think it solves a lot of the issues that Tottenham has within their back line. However, that's not the purpose of this segment because this is around the net. What what we saw after the signing, of course, it was the traditional you know, picture of holding up the kits. We saw a little bit of an interview, what he expects to bring to the club. The next video that was followed up from that was him opening up a computer and going to his personal Twitter account. And looking back into his past, we saw several tweets dating back from like 2012 of how big of an Arsenal fan he was. And I started laughing so hard because he just like looked at him and was like, I love Arsenal. I'm a diehard die Arsenal fan. Arsenal till I die. And he's like looking at the camera awkwardly and then he just deletes his tweets and he's just going through deleting all of his love for Arsenal tweets. And then after he's done with it, he just stares back at his kid and he points to the crest, the Tottenham crest on his jersey. And he's just giving his tribute back to because he knows that this is his future and this is his club. I definitely loved he gave that the emoji. Like, I, I can make that noise. You know immediately what I'm talking about. Like, that cringing emoji. And it was just, I, I thought that was really well done. You know, strong hat tips of the social media team for doing that. Uh, really, that was just, that was good content. And that, that being said, I am extremely excited to see Doherty on Tottenham. He is, for those who don't know much about him, he is a phenomenal right back, especially as far as getting offensive touches. That that's the best signing you guys had all year. Yeah, I think out of the majority of signings, this is the one that I can be most excited about because we utilize that right back position so much within our style of play. Um, Surge is great and everything, but not really the player that we need for those opportunities. And I think he's going to bring a lot uh, to Tottenham's not only defense but also helping create opportunities there on the right back side of uh, the the pitch. Moving from the Premier League to the Middlesex County Premier League, which is I don't even think you could consider that a professional club. It's just, it's a random county soccer league. These are like dudes that drink beer on Saturdays and then play games on Sunday. That I think it's, pro- I would assume it's like the equivalent of our like softball leagues in America, probably a little more legit and well-organized. Like all of those guys out on, um, in Lincoln Park next to Lakeshore Drive wearing the Chicago shirts that are all different colors with the volleyballs on them. They're like, yeah, I play recreational sports in the summer and springtime. But that being said, I thought this was really cool. Uh, there's a video that came out on Twitter of this league, and it's just a like there's like no fans. Like, it's, like imagine like you're playing at a park, and then all of a sudden walking up to the ball out of bounds is former Manchester United star Patrice Evra throwing it in. Like all of a sudden you're like, what the hell? I mean, at 39 years old, I guess he's decided to lace him back up, and he's just playing for Brentham, the Middlesex County Football League. 
which is just so random, but like that's got to be cool for the guys playing in there. I love this though. I think that's great. That if I was able to just drop in and drop out of something like that, you, I feel like you would be the kind of guy that is coming every week. But at the same time, you could be like, "Yeah, do I do I want to play today? Yeah, let's just do it." And just to kind of keep the exercise, it's a big part of your life being a professional player. And I can imagine when you're not going to be in those major spotlight situations anymore that like you still just want to be able to get around and kick the ball and have a good time and i'm sure he's able to make like a couple of good friends that are really humbled to you know have him play with or against too yeah like it's just it's just some good clean wholesome content big fan of that and it is wild to me that for as long as i've known the name patrice ever he's only 39 years old sure thing tyler um and with that it's time to move on to this week's pub of the week do you have a new jingle for us this week? No, it's a, it's more of a spoken word pub of the week. So oh, no. there's a lot of intention behind every single uh, syllable that I just used. Are you going to do a pub of the week slam poetry? It's at the pub. It's at the pub where we watch <laughs> soccer, kick, kick, score, applause, fade to black. Well, if we didn't lose you by that. Uh, Anyway, here is this week's Pub of the Week. Okay, well, we have a submission from a couple of friends uh, of the FTFC podcast. Uh, This one goes back to an instance for Bundesliga Borelli's bachelor party, actually, that I uh, was a part of. Um, It was in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I'm going to talk a little bit about Finn McCool's Irish Pub. It's in Mid-City, in New Orleans. It's actually not uh, in those traditional touristy areas like uh, the French Quarter that I think a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, So I found myself in New Orleans well before anybody else showed up. I actually showed up a day early where it was just me and Bundesliga Borelli and our other friend Howard before the rest of the group got along. And I had many hours to kill before anybody else showed up. I was probably there about 9 in the morning, and then um, everybody else was showing up around 8, 9 p.m. So I had a solid 12 hours between now and then. So what does Nate do? He decides to watch soccer. Um, So I'm wearing my Tottenham Hotspurs jersey. Tottenham played the day before. And I always, like, that's just me. I like traveling with Tottenham on me just to kind of represent the club wherever I go. I get off the plane. I get into the regular part of the city. I'm instantly greeted by a Arsenal fan who walks up to my face and just looks me square in the eyes. And he goes, terrible jersey, terrible jersey. And I was like, oh, great. So I'm going to fit right at home here. Uh, So I go into Finn McCool's Irish Pub. There's a Manchester United game on TV. And honestly, it was a great, great bar. I enjoyed it. I think it would have been a lot better if Tottenham was playing. I just, I know I was a day late and there was a lot of other matches going on. But it was actually voted one of the top 10 Irish bars in the world by the Irish Times. Don't know what that is, but it's on their website. Um, And they say, you know, visit Finn McCool's for soccer games, Gaelic games, rugby, and football. 
They have a lot of good food. I ended up hanging out there for a couple of hours. A couple of Manchester United fans uh, yelled at me as well. So, you know, maybe not the most inviting environment for a Tottenham fan, but the thing is, being a fan, I know what I'm, I'm in for, and it's just with all in good fun. So I enjoyed myself. You know, I sat back, had a couple of Guinnesses, and I waited for the rest of my uh, my group to get along, had some food there as well. So if you need to kill some time and you don't want to be in the big touristy areas of New Orleans, head to Finn McCool's located in Mid-City. Their exact address is actually at 3701 Bank Street, New Orleans, Louisiana. And again, thanks so much to all the great FTFC listeners out there. Again, like we do this week in and week out for you guys and also to build this greater soccer community here in the States for the beautiful game. Continue to, uh, you know, shout out and be our champions. Like share this podcast with your friends, your family, anybody that you know that loves the game the same way that we all do here. And of course, you know, give us a give us a five-star review if you like what you hear. It, it really does mean a lot to us. We go through every single one of those reviews and we love seeing it. And it really helps us out. It really helps us get to where we need to be because we're only going up from here, baby. And we got a lot of other good guests coming up for you too. So, you know, stay stay around. We're working hard over here to, to help build this FTFC, the First Touch Football Club podcast. We will be off next Wednesday. This is the first Wednesday. We will not have an episode. We will just be both out of town doing uh, some other obligations. Um, But we will be back to talk about Premier League and all the seasons starting back up when we return. We're going to leave you the same way we always leave you. More than ever, there is no room for racism. 